This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back, listening to Militantly Mixed. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Makes the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, and I am coming to you from the middle of the night. So if you listen to both Blurred Comics and Militantly Mixed, then you heard earlier this week that I had a sick cat and that I was very emotional and sad about it. And uh, and that we, you know, we spent the day with them in the hospital and everything. Well, today, another one of my cats, I do have five, another one of my cats got sick. So we were in the emergency uh, for totally unrelated reasons. Uh, We were in the emergency room with him all day today. So I'm scrambling to try to make sure that I get my episodes edited and put out on time. Um, So that's why I'm recording here in the middle of the night. And um, I'm pretty sad. I have have three senior citizen cats and I have two sort of adult five-year-old cats. Um, So my older ones are starting to get sick and unfortunately sick at the same time. And um, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's pretty emotional for me and trying to live up to my chosen obligations of producing these three shows and balancing their their illnesses and my day job, which I've only taken so that I can pay the bills. You know, it's a tough time. It's a tough balance and, and I'm not particularly happy about it, but. I'm trying to fight going darker in, or deeper into um, a, uh, you know, about a major depression versus my chronic persistent depression because of it. Because my cats are more important to me than almost all humans. <laughs> so, okay. So um, forgive me if I sound pretty labored or my voice is really scratchy. I have also had another cold recently and I'm coming, coming off of that. So I still have a scratchy voice, but also I'm super tired right now because it's very late. But anyways, I am continuing on in this Black History Month and wanting to try to curate episodes that are geared towards all aspects of blackness. I'm and I guess in particular, possibly the black American experience, because um, it is very nuanced here in the States. I am my guest this week is B. Johnson. She is a biracial woman. Her mother's side is German. Her father's side is black, Lakota Sioux, and possibly a little bit of German in there too. She doesn't have as much information about their ethnic background or heritage, but she is white presenting. She's blonde. She's curly haired. I see a mixed race person, but from her description, it doesn't seem that she is often seen as a mixed race person. She's typically seen as a white person. The reason why I'm including a white passing story in the Black History Month is because it is equally a part of blackness to all other aspects of blackness, especially here in the in the States. So for those of my listeners that aren't necessarily in the U.S., possibly Canada has something similar to this, but it would be even slightly different, I think, in the U.K. and other parts of um, white countries or predominantly white countries. Specific to the black American experience, a white presenting black person is a thing, a thing that we need to be aware of, a thing that we need to nurture and help in their relation to blackness. And we talk a little bit about it on the show, but I'll kind of go into it here in my intro as well, because I think it's important to lay it out. Here in the United States, when you see black people, you see them from all ranges of skin colors, from very, very dark to very, very white presenting or passing, as we've called it. 
Some of that is, you know, from hopefully now in modern times, hopefully it's voluntary mixing, although I'm sure it still is involuntary in some cases. But in our in our country's history, a lot of the mixing that occurred where black people were involved have to do with colonial rape or slavery uh, era rape, even whatever took place, what liberties were taken over black bodies in during the Jim Crow era and the civil rights era. There is a lot of trauma in our skin color as black people because there is involuntary mixing that happened in other periods of time. And a white presenting person is an example of that. In her particular case, there's no rhyme or reason to why she turned out white presenting because she's got a black father. It just happened. It's just the genetic roll of the dice. And even though she is actually more black in terms of percentages than I am, I'm more accepted as a black person because uh, my facial features are more reflective of black Americans. My skin color is more yellow and tan colored versus black, but I do present in a way that black people can usually tell. B doesn't necessarily present in a way that is obvious that she is is black. I also grew up in black neighborhoods around black people almost entirely in my life. And so I am more accepted just off the jump in blackness than she is. And yet she genetically is more black than me. So it's a very interesting aspect of blackness. And that's why I've chosen to share it in during Black History Month. This episode is actually quite a bit different than most of my conversations. And it's really just because of the natural trajectory of what we were discussing. Uh, Usually I pre-screen a guest and we kind of we kind of get to know each other a little bit. And then from that conversation, I figure out what it is about mixedness that is their, you know, sort of biggest topic or the thing that affects them the most. And then we try to gear our actual recording for the episode into that. What B and I spoke about originally and what we ended up speaking about um, for this particular recording was quite a bit different, partially because the around the first time we spoke, the California fire, wildfires happened and it um, kind of derailed things and it, uh, air quality where she lived was really terrible, things like that. Uh, so we postponed and we just couldn't get it back together. Like the holidays popped up and all this stuff. So we couldn't get it back together until a couple of weeks ago when we finally got to record our interview. So things have changed. Her, the different things that happened to her and to me or whatever. And so the conversation just went this direction. It jumped around a little bit because there's just things that we're talking about. We're just like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I also have some sound quality issues. I have a new mic and it picks up everything before I realized how to control it. Um, so there's like dragging of furniture that you hear in parts of the episode. That is from my upstairs neighbors, which really sucks. <laughs> Um, but it's there and I can't cut it because we're talking. Things like that. There's a few jumps in the episode because there was some quality issues that uh, I end up cutting around and things like that. But other than that, it's a it's a perfectly good episode. It's just different. Um, there was times when I was so affected, affected by B's own... I don't want to call it resistance because I think that's too strong, but this is actually very common in my experience with the guests that I've had that are that have the white presenting skin tones and things like that is this sort of self-denial of allowing them to be in black spaces like they're only they're almost doing it to themselves, both to not make black people feel uncomfortable, but also to not experience more trauma, not bring more trauma on themselves for, um, you know, and I'm doing quotation fingers, invading black spaces. And it just, it's now that I've heard so many of these stories and I didn't have access to this before, I was just so overwhelmed by it. And I think I ended up talking 
way more on this episode than I normally do. I usually do sit back and, you know, let my guests talk most, you know, they're talking about their experience and I insert where it makes sense. But in this case, I think there's big portions of this episode that I almost dominate, which I do kind of feel bad about because it is more about B's experience, but also, and you'll hear it, part of me dominating this episode is me trying to even convince her to take up space. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, just to take up space. Because I think that's that's a, a, a unfortunate position that white presenting um, mixed race people find themselves in is that they don't necessarily feel that they either have permission or they feel, don't necessarily feel comfortable taking up space, the, any kind of space within diversity or inclusion. And I don't want that to happen to them anymore. I mean, now that I've been doing this show, I've learned so much about various mixed race experiences, even ones that are completely different from my own. And I'm learning new things all the time. And the more I learn, the more I want all of us to feel equal in having a space um, to occupy. Uh, so I do do that in this episode more than I've ever done. And um, I'm apologetic about it because I take up some of B's time, which is sort of counter to what I'm telling her to do. But at the same time, I felt like she probably needed to hear it. Any of my white passing guests um, from the past probably need to hear it. And any of my possibly white presenting audience members need to hear it. Fucking take up space. Be your mixed ass self. Do not put baby in the corner. Just get on out there. Um, unfortunately, because of your presentation, you might have to show your credentials, which I don't think is fair for you, but that just may happen to hap happen. to happen. But once you do it, I'll just be out there and live your mixed ass life. And I, I even quote it, even though roughly and, and really poorly, actually, um, Shirley Chisholm's quote about when there's no chair at the table for me, I bring my own. Just drag your own chair to the table and start being a part of the conversation. I understand the inclination not to take up somebody else's chair. Definitely don't take up someone else's chair, another person of color's chair, but drag your own chair. Even if you got to sit at the side, like drag your own chair in there. This is, this is my feelings now. Um, so that's why I include it in the Black History Month uh, curation, because I think it's an important aspect of mis mixedness. All right. I think that's all I feel like I probably should lead into the episode. We'll let the episode speak for itself once we get into it. Um, what other things are going on? <sighs> I don't know. Personally, my life is a little overwhelming right now, but um, show-wise, I've got great grass coming up. Um, I've been connecting with a lot more people, but now I'm getting inundated again. Um, that being said, don't forget to follow us on our social media. Um, we haven't had that many new follows in the last couple weeks, so we got to get that out there. Share, retweet with your friends. Let everybody know that we're out here on Twitter and Instagram at Militantly Mixed on facebook.com slash militantly mixed. I am getting a little bit more engagement on the Facebook page, which is awesome. I think I'm going to start introducing some actual topics of conversation. So if you want to get engaged, maybe it's something based off an episode that we had, or maybe it's just something based on what's going on in the world. Obviously, right now, this is a disaster of a Black History Month with the blackface stuff that's been going on lately. More trans, black trans women being murdered and the, the, um, sentences for the people that are caught for their murder is really, really small in comparison to other murder cases. It's just not making any sense to me. The incident 
that is now coming into question about what happened to Jesse Smollett uh, from Empire when he was uh, attacked in Chicago at the beginning of the month. Just so many crazy things going on. Um, so we just we just need to be. Oh gosh, I don't even know what we need to be. We need to we need to keep on things. We need to look after each other. And I got nothing else to say about it right now. I'm tired. Um, so we'll talk about the we'll we'll start introducing topical things that we can get some more involvement in on our Facebook page. Uh, other than that, as you know, this is a fan-sponsored podcast with your donations to Patreon, the monthly donations. We actually are uh, still covering our hosting and, you know, a little bit of savings are actually developing so that um, as we get more material, more content, we can start doing more things. So that's great. And then we also have the PayPal or so Patreon is patreon.com slash militantly mixed. And then we also have the uh, paypal.me slash militantly mixed for one-time only donations. You don't have to only do it one time. It's just not a scheduled sponsorship um, for month to month. And that is paypal.me slash militantly mixed. When we have gotten those donations there, those have helped for um, sort of emergency things or getting new uh, swag and things like that. Um, New equipment. Um, I've upgraded the microphone recently, so hopefully you can tell the difference there. And yeah, that's about it. I think we're good. Um, Without further ado, please help me welcome... B. Johnson. All right. So my guest this week is actually someone that the first time we talked was months and months ago, but due to California and other issues holidays and stuff like that. We didn't get back together until just now. So I'm happy to welcome B. Johnson to the show. You found us because like a lot of us, you needed mixedness and you needed to, to get in touch with other folks like you. So let's get into let. Why don't you share with the audience a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself, and then let's get into it. Yeah, awesome. Um, Thank you so much for having me. I can't believe that I'm here after finding it in the middle of the night, like searching on Facebook, (laughs) just searching hashtags like biracial help me, please. I'm lost. (laughs) (laughs) A little support group, biracial help me, please. (laughs) And and here it is. And I love it. It's so awesome. A little bit about me. Let's see. um, my, My ethnicities have sort of been developing throughout my life because I have been given new information the older that I got. Mm. Um, so if you want to get technical, because I have not yet taken my DNA test, um, I am definitely half German. My mom is completely German. She came from Germany when she was seven. And uh, we have tons of traditions and, you know, connections to family. And I still have family back in Germany. And we have German candles on our Christmas tree. And it is like super German over there. Tenenbaum, like, right? Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, and then my dad is uh, he's black and Native American. We're Lakota Sioux. And um, apparently there's also some German sprinkled in there as well, which I found out when I was 17 or 18. I mean, I guess I should have known because he is kind of on the lighter skin side, but I did not know. Mm. Um, yeah, until I was probably, and I don't even think that I'm supposed to know. I'm pretty sure that was a secret that my mom let 
spill to me. Oh, really? Did, mm-hmm. Why? Because it's like painful German mixing or just be, he was quiet about uh, it? Well, no, um, my biological, my paternal grandfather died when my dad was really little. And, um, and then my grandma got remarried and was raised by my grandpa, who I thought was my grandpa the entire time. He raised my dad from the time he was a year or two old. So he's, mm. he's you know, he's the guy. And um, he's super black. Like, he's from Birmingham, Alabama. There's there's no question of what's going on there. But apparently, my dad's biological father had some German in him. So my grandma says. Oh. Yeah. So a little bit more German than I had previously suspected. I mean, <laughs> I guess it's good if it's German. I already know all about it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's less like an investigative or, oh my gosh, it's it's thrown my whole identity out of whack or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, we'll save that for when I take the, the DNA test. I've had it for a year and it's been sitting in the kitchen and I just can't bring myself to take it because I don't know what it's going to say. And it's it's been such a journey to try to make peace with where I am right now that like, I don't know, I haven't taken it yet. I think I think you had said that when we first spoke months ago as well. So just for, I guess, a little bit of background, it was middle of the night one night, you're dealing with, um, you know, kind of like uh, identity and and mixed race connection and stuff like that. And you go on a search and you stumble on the Facebook page or do you stumble on the the uh, podcast itself? It was the Facebook page. Yeah, it was the Facebook page. And I just kind of threw something out there about how I I think what I said, um, just to jump right into it was that I always felt like if I had presented differently and like darker that maybe my dad would have stuck stuck around and been more involved in my life because my my dad is mixed when my mom is German and I was raised by my mom and my dad has been sort of in and out of the picture pretty consistently, more consistently out than in. Right. Um, but I've always had a really good relationship with that, his whole side of the family. Like I see my grandma a thousand times more than I see him, you know, and I have cousins uh, and stuff that like I'm able to be sort of close to. I was a, we were a lot closer when we were kids. And then I don't know, life just happens and yeah, we kind of drifted away. And, and so in that drifting away, I feel like I've drifted away from all of that side of me, you know, mm. And I'm just kind of bumbling along like some, you know, slightly dark skinned white girl with curly hair (laughs) and totally missing that piece. But as things happen, like in our world, it brings it up and it it doesn't ever go away, you know? Right. And I think also around the timing that you discovered the show or the the Facebook group anyway, was around the time we had just posted or nearly we're about to post our white passing, our very first white passing Mm -hmm. episode um, with Gretchen. And that one, for the longest time, that was like the most downloaded episode because it it seems to be more so than I ever knew ever that white passing biracial black and white folks are out here just like, who am I? You know, and um, and so you and a few others, uh, some people who have actually been on the show and some people I'm still on talks with trying to get on the show have all said a version of especially if they're whichever parent is their black parent, if I were darker, they would have bonded with me more or they would have been here or something like that. It's, um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it is a very common thing that I've, that I've been experiencing. And you are the flip of me in that, I mean, we're both lighter skin mixed girls, but, um, but like I had a black dad that was around, but he was self-loathing black, (laughs) even though he moved us to the hood and we were always around black people and things like that. 
he always he always reminded me what not to be. Don't be like don't be that black. Be, you know, paler, I guess. And uh, and so like for me, I always wanted to be darker because I kind of wanted to be uh, I wanted to fit more in where I grew up. But I also I find that more beautiful than paleness. And, and I also connect to it more. But I'm not yeah, man, you lie. want that black girl magic, right? I want that black girl magic. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's also a little bit of because I have such a I, I had such a cantankerous relationship with my dad. If I were darker, then maybe he wouldn't want to be in my life. So I have the I, like I had the flip oh, of your experience. And but it's interesting to hear how, you know, gosh, I swear every time you hear a a privileged person say that race is not that big of an issue. And then you talk to one of us. <laughs> oh God, it's we, a huge issue. It's such a huge, like there's so many facets of our day to day that we don't even, that most people wouldn't even realize connect, especially for us mixed folks, connect to our mixed race identities. We're not enough of, you know, why can't I be more like, why can't I look like this? you know, what's going on with my hair, you know, we have so many elements of our day to day that ends up connecting to uh, who we are. And then on top of it, which family members give a shit about us and which ones aren't cool because we're mixed, you know, that's a whole nother aspect. Right. And then the thing about it is that when you are so white presenting, it's all happening inside. And, you know, no, nobody else sees it. I mean, I certainly occasionally I get called out and, you know, it's like the boost for like you said, it's for like a day or a week. It's like my boost for like the quarter or right. six months. You know, I'm so happy. But on the flip side, have always had kids telling me like when, you know, I'd say that I was, you know, mixed or half black because that's what I thought I was when I was little. I thought I was half black. They tell me, no, you're not. And I'd have to bring in a picture of me and my dad to school, to elementary school to show them. And like, if you don't really have a relationship with your dad, it kind of is shitty to have to drag a picture of him around to prove that you are, you know, mixed or whatever. And so to have people like not believe who you are or your experience or like what it was like for me when I was at my grandma's house every other weekend, you know, it was it's crazy. Right. But really, it's only because you're pale, honestly, because with your hair and even to, to me, your facial structure, I feel like I see like I feel like you could be. And I if I say this on the show, I feel like you could be one of my cousins because you actually look really similar to like my next in line cousin who is similar to you in that light skin, sandy colored curly hair thing Mm -hmm, that -hmm. you have. So like, I feel like I see it. And I think maybe what is really healthy, especially while we go and do these searches on online, when we're trying to connect with someone is surrounding yourself by other people that can see you. I mean, I, it's literally why I do this show. Yeah. Um, You're just bringing them in. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, I'm just collecting. It's kind of my little Pokemon game because I was, I was too old for Pokemon when it came out, but like, I understand it. I get the concept. You got to collect one of each. So like, I want to hear like, you know, what it is for you so that I can just be a part of it. Like, hey, you know, talk about it, help be a a person that can connect, because that's the thing that has been giving me life about this show. And from our conversation early on, and then also like our, our Facebook messages back and forth, I think that was a thing that you were just like, 
in that space that particular night you needed that? Yeah, I, I think it just comes with a lot of questions. It's just it's always been questions and trying to figure myself out and trying to figure the family out and, you know, figure out what's going on. Like, you know, learning how to code switch as a baby and, you right. know, talking differently to my mom than I did to my grandma and trying to figure out why no one could figure out why I wouldn't talk when my mom was dropping me off. Like I was super quiet. And then as soon as she left, I like, you know, go out and play with my cousins. Oh, so she couldn't hear you black it up. No, 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 (laughs) no, there, there was never any, any of that, you know? And so I don't, you know, obviously I don't think that my mom really cares for my dad very much. And she, uh, dropped me off at my grandma's house all the time. She's raising me as a single mom and, you know, needed the time to like, you know, go to school or I, to be perfectly honest, I have no idea what she did. She just dropped me off there and I loved it, but it was just a completely different situation. Like my, my mom is just like the quintessential white woman, you know, she, I mean, she's a vegan right now. Not that that's specifically a white woman thing, but she just, we're trying to, we're trying to come out black vegans. We're trying to, there you go. But like, you know, she goes jogging and, you know, she like she just she's so white. She's so white. And um, in in everything, you know, and to go to uh, my grandma's house where like my cousins were over there and like my aunts and uncles and, you know, they're like playing gin rummy out in the backyard and like the kids are running around. And I had so much more freedom there because my mom was super strict with everything, with what I did and with my diet. And mm. over at my grandma's house, I was just one of the many cousins just running amok and mm. nobody really gave me a second look. And I was certainly the whitest kid there. I mean, I think I sent you a picture of me at my cousin's birthday party and it's just this tiny little white face in this like (laughs) sea of people, you know, but I I didn't know. I had no idea. You know, they all loved me. Nobody cared. Yeah. That's a precious time before we realize that. And I'm, I've, I've tried to make a personal pledge to stop referring to us as different or realizing we are different and tried to put the difference on the monoracial people like you guys are different. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm trying to I'm trying to not do that, but I'm about to do it here. Um, like that time before we realize that we are different from the people around us and we're just happy and blissful. Yeah. You know, and a lot of it, I think, especially as you grow up and you start to question like what's going on and who you are, for me specifically, I just had those pieces of, you know, what I thought was when you're little, it's all of you. I am, you know, the kid at my grandma's house and I'm in the kid at my mom's house. And while there were some differences, you know, like I said, like I was quiet when my mom was around, it was basically the same kid, you know? And as I got older, it was like layers started to get peeled away and Mm. it became really apparent to me that it was different over there, you know? Yeah. But like, I, I, I get that too. It's just that you, it's amazing that you learn to code switch, that we learned to code switch so early and not even have, like, I didn't even have the word or the language for it. No, I didn't know what it was until you said it. Oh, really? Like, that's what it is. Yes. Like I'd seen it well, done. Certainly it got, it always bumps me out when somebody like puts a Becky voice on for me. I'm like, no, 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 don't. I don't want the Becky voice. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's like, that's probably a whole different experience for you too, versus what it might be like. Um, like for me, the hardest part about if I were even to attempt to hide my blackness is, is my name, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you you technically have a name that is very popular on the black side. I don't know if that's your dad's name or your mom's name. That's my dad's name. Yeah, your dad. So you know, we have the same last name. But my 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 maiden name is Franklin, and so like hearing Charmaine Latrice Franklin shouted across the neighborhood 
no one was going to be surprised to find out I had a black parent, you know? Right. Um, right. So if I'm in a workspace and I'm surrounded by white people and I'm using my Becky voice, it is even more confusing <laughs> because they're like, how do you look like this, but have a black name, but also talk like a white person? You know, like there, there's a, there's a whole series of problems that happen when I go into a space. Right. Um, you got to be a chameleon, you know, you're sort of everything and nothing all at the same time. Right. And in your case, like, because if some Someone's not trying to find it. They'll just go with the white or whatever. I get it. I understand that that happens. Um, I mean, if we had met on the street, it wouldn't have happened. In fact, I mean, I, I don't know if we said that if we talked about this, but um, the the mixed the mixed version of Punch Boogie, where you just you see another mixed person, and you're just like, I got you, you know, like I see yeah, you yeah. across the way. Um, you know, if I had walked down you past you down the street, you'd probably get a furrowed brow while I'm going. She looks like she's incognito, you know, <laughs> like I'm I'm wondering what's going on there. But it's so funny because I feel like I do get I I live in like the North Bay area, like north. Of of San Francisco and it is white here. Like there, the diversity is not around. And so I feel like I maybe like I get it more because when I'm out walking around, like the people of color that I see who are out walking around, we're like, you're looking for each other, you know? Right. And, but there's, it just doesn't happen that often because there aren't that many black people here. Um, Do you ever get called out by white people that you don't look quite right? Uh, oh, yeah. white, white. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look quite white. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, and it's, you know, it's the standard, like, what are you? You're so interesting. You know, tell, tell me about your heritage. Like, where are you from? Okay. And, you, you know, yeah, what's but usually not. Usually it's just sort of glossed over. And and also, I mean, maybe this was like I feel like this is like a school thing because it doesn't really happen so much. Or maybe adults have learned how to, like, mind their manners a little bit more. More, but to straight out tell me that I'm lying when I it happens to like I out myself as mixed that's kind of stopped thankfully uh yeah I guess that is true I used to get you're lying but I don't get it anymore but I wonder if I that's weird it's because when you're saying it reminds me of adults telling me I was lying when I was a teenager but now that I'm an adult I don't hear I think I think people are just uh, have just gotten a little more tactful because I know I mean, like my boyfriend, my boyfriend had no idea that I was mixed until I told him he, he wasn't even the least bit like sus- <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't even want to lose this language, right? Like the least bit suspecting that you weren't just a white girl, quote unquote. No, I mean, he thought maybe a little something Latin, obviously, because that's what we get, what you know, like, but yeah. but no, no, he he was floored. And, you know, didn't care, which is nice. He's a nice guy, you know, but like we, we've been talking about this a little bit and he was asking me because we live in such a predominantly white area. He was like, what? Cause we were like talking about, you know, the show and my experience. And we just started talking about it a little bit more cause he knows all about it now and was saying like, what is it? Like, what do you do that's mixed? Cause I don't see you do anything that's mixed. Oh, you know, wow. what would even that be though that's a right. very strange question to be confronted with <laughs> it was it was a super strange question and it took me a really long time to think about it and that's because the answer is so obvious which is that everything that I do is mixed because I'm right. the one who's doing it You're you know mixed. like yeah. everything that comes in through my eyes and my ears is run through my mixed ass filter yeah always well you got to that answer a lot quicker than than I would have, because I would have been focusing on the 
I, I would have taken it in the defensive route where I would have been like, well, what do you do? That's white. Or, you know, oh, like, oh, I did. I did. Okay, no, no, no. I'm, I'm telling you how it happened now, but it took me like two weeks and I was pissed. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shock. What do you mean? Yeah. That's identity is a bitch, man. I swear. Like as, as stable as I come off about my mixedness and I'm, and I'm just like, look, I'm a mixed as fuck person and da, 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 da. There are still things that trigger and it's one of the few times in which I, I think using the word trigger is appropriate I, I really hate how overused that word is but in mm-hmm. this case it's certainly a trigger if someone either questions how obsessed with race I am or questions my blackness you know something like that and I get really defensive I, I you know I'm just like I, I'm still re- ready to be on edge about some of these things and yet at the same time I'm also super duper grounded in my mixedness like before I was a black girl who was mixed. Now I'm a mixed girl who is black. And those are very different things to me. And that was like a huge transition of me kind of discovering to get there. But you're kind of in it right now, right? You're still just trying to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in it right now and trying to figure out how it's all happening. And, you know, I, I wonder if the taking the DNA test is, is sort of a piece to that. And it feels weird because it feels like I'm not taking my, I'm not looking for the answers to my DNA. I'm looking for my dad's DNA because I know what my mom is. You know, right. we know many generations back what she is. I'm totally not interested or concerned because I've always had so much access to that. You know, right. I want to know what's going on on the other side. And it's been sort of worrying me because as I I've grown up like as a little kid thinking I was half black and then being able to relate that there was this Lakota aspect to it, which is awesome and has been really interesting to like to learn about and stuff. And then to find out that there was even more German mixed in, like I feel like I'm just like losing my my blackness piece by piece. It's getting stripped away. And you had a guest on like I, I binged like the pretty much the whole series, but you had a guest <laughs> on who, you know, was black and took the DNA test and found out that he was like 20% white or something, but like totally identified yeah, as a black man. And I'm like, man, like not even the black people are completely black. Like it's okay. It's part of our trauma. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's, you know, it's, it's okay. And like for me to be mixed and, you know, like even you, like, I don't know, I see you as, you know, like you said, like you used to view yourself as, wait, how is it now? I used to view myself as a black girl who was mixed. And now I view myself as a mixed girl who is black. Right. I I can explain one day what that is. But you know, um, this, these episodes are about y'all. So a couple things you've said that uh, I've heard from other people too, but I want to grab you on it because you're the person I'm talking to right now is that thing. You didn't say the word permission, but you seem to reference things that seem like you don't believe you have permission to own your ethnicities. I understand us not having access to cultures that we're mixed. Like once we find out what our different ethnicities are and we don't have access Mm -hmm. to those cultures, I totally understand not feeling fully comfortable in in taking ownership of those cultural aspects of it. And even to, I guess, by extension, it it also comes with you saying, yes, I'm black or yes, I'm Lakota. But in your case, I what is if you even know what is holding you back from feeling that you have full on ability to say that you are? I mean, if you knew your dad is black, what is preventing you from thinking that you are half black? I mean, uh, the math of it, certainly. And I guess 
a little bit of how I was raised because I wasn't, I wasn't raised by my dad, like at all, pretty much, you know, I was raised by my mom. And while I grew up in an area where, you know, you could, you could get to the hood, you could drive to it. And that's where my grandma was. Like I lived in like rural, like farmy sort of like, you know, white girls with horses area. And that was what I grew up with. And that's who my friends were. And I had one mixed kid in school with me Mm. in like elementary school and junior high. And, you know, he and I got along great and I loved his parents. They were super nice. And I really liked his dad and he was darker than me and his dad stayed. And so maybe that's when I figured out that like, Mm. I was, you know, which obviously isn't the case. Like my dad has a whole host of problems and he's yeah. an alcoholic and it's not like he's, you know, taking care of other kids who happen to come out darker, I you see. know, and that's the other thing is that I have three sisters on my mom's side. They're my half sisters and they're completely white, but they're like my sisters and I've been raised with them and, and everything, but that's sort of my family and it's, and it's white over there, you know? Right. So did you think of yourself as like, part-time Negro. Yeah. And as an adult, because you have so much limited access to other black people, maybe not just people of color, but certainly do you, do you feel like, so what you said was you feel like your blackness is kind of being chipped away at you based off of the math and, uh, you know, other things. Yeah, And just, you know, how much time I'm able to like spend with my family, which, you know, with that side of the family, which isn't a lot, you know, and it's, it's never, I don't know, pretty much like when I was little, it it seemed like I could go, I could slip in and out of each side, but about from the time that I kind of got some awareness of myself as like a preteen or a teenager, it Mm -hmm. was like that my blackness was something that I could go and visit, but it would have to stay there. It, it, it did not come home with me. Right. So that I understand quite a bit because when I was with my Japanese side, I could be Japanese there. I couldn't be black, but I could be Japanese um, there. But when I left or if we were out in public with my Japanese side and we ran into other Japanese people, I was no longer Japanese again. I was a friend's kid or something uh, because of the complication of the fact that I was mixed, that my grandma didn't know if I was detectably black to non-black mm. people and the fact that my mom was a teenager. So the, right. math, the math didn't check out. Yeah, yeah. Know? No, no. Um, Can't have that. Yeah. So so there's like a lot of complicated things. And so but I didn't realize it was bad or that it, it didn't start to make me feel bad until I got into that time, that preteen time where you're sort of identifying who you are and, and or at least wrestling with your identity for the first time. Uh. Right. And I sort of like I saw that my cousins were like able to go and like a couple of my cousins have been able to like go and live with my grandparents for a time when they were like teenagers and kind of acting up and stuff like when I was a teenager as well. And I'm like, damn, like why? Because my mom was like really, really um, controlling with like all the rules and stuff. And like, she was, she was just trying to be a good mom and keep me out of trouble, but it just wanted me to get in more trouble, you know? And I'm like, why, what do I, what do I got to do? How can I be bad enough to like get sent to my black grandma's house, (laughs) you know, to like go hang out there and like, I want to go to, you know, a different high school and do the thing. And it was not until I was probably like an early adult that I realized that it wasn't because my cousins were messing up. It's because their parents didn't have their, you know, their shit together. And my mom clearly had her shit together real well. And there was not a chance that she was going to like send me to Rancho to go live with my grandma. Right. And it probably, happen. yeah, it probably wouldn't even have occurred to her like uh, culturally 
you go to no. your grandmother when you're in trouble, you know, like in that, that was, in my case, it wasn't go to your grandmother because you're in trouble. It was go to your grandmother. Like you said, my parents didn't have their shit together. They were, they were kids themselves. So I at least do have that access. And so in that case, like, I do feel like I, I can claim Japanese and I can claim British cultures because I spent time inside both of those grandmothers' houses, but like I don't feel comfortable claiming the German Irish side because I don't know that man. Like I met him a couple of times and then he wasn't part of our lives. He could be alive or dead in North North Highlands right now. I have no idea, you know. Um, And so I I list it as my ethnicity, but I don't claim it as my culture. And I think what I'm kind of wanting to 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 get with, I guess, or whatever with you is is understanding, like, as you feel that your blackness is kind of being chipped away from the math of it all. And even to a degree from the culture, when you really still think about it, when you still lay it out, you spent time in your grandmother's house. You spent time immersed in that culture. And even though you were getting removed from it more and more as an adult, it's still a big part of how you were shaped. Right. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Like, your blackness is there. Um, right. But nobody can see nobody it. Can like see, it's like I a know. ghost, you know. And it's probably going to feel like that for a long time. And, and unless and like unless you move to an area in which you do have more access or whatever, what I what I don't know why this has turned into this kind of a conversation, but this is like it. This is how I feel about this kind of stuff. This show has made me more and more aware of our need as mixed people for acceptance within all of our different groups. Right. And you said something that I I could totally dig in on is um, uh, like you already are secure on the German side. You don't need to know any more about them and, and not even necessarily curious and investigating further because they at least have their their documentation in order. You get it. So right now it's the stuff you don't know. And mm-hmm. and not only the stuff that you don't know, but you you have to be accepted by them, but you also have to accept yourself in them. And that is what I think happens a lot to the white presenting mixed folks is that you don't often re- accept yourself. You don't feel that just because randomly you ended up more white looking than anything else that you're mixed with. You don't feel like you have permission or access to mixedness and I'm telling you insert like it is part of who you are it is and and it's not like you were adopted and you found out later on oh shit I'm actually more black you know I'm black but I was right. by white people you okay you have the absence of your father I totally understand it but you don't have the absence of your mother your grandmother and your um your cousins it's it's in there you're just not around it that much it doesn't yeah. mean it goes away and so like I I think what started happening to me over the course of doing the show is at first it was about connecting with other mixed people and then it was more I the more I learned about our various experiences the common thing that kept popping up that we all at one point or another have dealt with is, am I enough of fill in the blank? And I probably, you know, as a teenager, I probably would have said no, because I was also dirt. I was in that quest too. But now I hear our stories and I'm like, yeah, the fuck we are. And that's mm-hmm. where like be your mixed ass self started to, to come up and boil up. It was like, stop feeling like you don't have access, insert, be your mixed ass self, own it and claim it. Because the thing is, and I was talking to a friend, an old friend from high school who I haven't seen in, in since high school uh, for the show. He's going to be on our next episode. Uh, and he he said to me, one of the things that he remembered about me is that I was like re- relentlessly mixed. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
didn't quite say those words. He, he, he said, uh, and it was before we started recording. And then later on, he calls me something else, which I really enjoy. And I, I'm leaving in the episode. But but like the way we were talking about it before we started recording is like you didn't let anybody not accept you as mixed. I don't know what it was about me at that time that I decided to force it on people, but I wasn't believing it in myself at the time I was forcing it on people Mm -hmm. because I was dealing with that journey. And now that I do this show and I hear all of us talking, I want to I want to insert that into you guys, you guys, too. Like whatever was making me fake it until I felt it. I want you to feel that way, too, because I I know how much you need. But that's that's totally what the show does, because I I mean, I did. I found it and I binged it and I like cried several times and I'm like, man, this is, I am, I'm not alone because I don't have like the benefit of having, like, I don't have mixed cousins. I don't have brothers and sisters, you know, like who, who are the same as me. I feel like I'm this, you know, one tiny little, you know, sort of quasi white girl who can never find sunglasses that fit on the bridge of her nose and, like <laughs> my, ever and like my hair and, you know, right. I get the hair, it. it gives it away. The hair gives it away to me too. Um, when I when I saw when I saw you for the first time, and I know we also did the like the FaceTime or whatever, and it was kind of it, it was that really bad patch of time because the fires were happening, and so like the connection wasn't great, but I could still see like all your hair and stuff. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. see yeah, you. yeah. There, there's a lot of it, and it kind of does its thing, and I get out of the way, and <laughs> it was really nice to finally like discover mixed girl hair products and not be right. using you know the crunchy early 2000s gel on it and stuff like that. Right. No, I think I I think what the show has done for me. It's so weird that this this episode is so self referential. Um, like, I guess we've been out long enough for that to be a possibility, but it, it's given me this gift of, of realizing that like what I needed when I was a teenager was someone to say, Hey, mixed girl, I see you. Yes. I'm now trying to do that for whoever is willing to talk to me. I mean, I'm also trying to steal your stories because I want to like, I greedily want to hear like, what was it like for you? And then go, Oh, me too. Or, Oh, that's the opposite of me. That's cool. We're, mm-hmm. we're the same and we're different. I don't feel this same level level of bond. I always felt like it was enough for me to connect with other black people. And it was like, as long as they could see me even a little bit, our experiences were going to be the same. But as I get older and I realize our world is such that, you know, I'm not going to experience the same kind of harassment by the, by the police as my darker skin counterparts are, you know, or uh, even though I have a name that I do, I don't always get passed over for a job. Once someone sees me, I can see the relief in their faces when they see me, right. knowing that they've seen my, my name and they're trying to figure out how does someone with that name have that resume. And then they see me. And they're like, whoo, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. It fucking sucks. But like all those things that I needed as a as a teenager, I realizing that there was literally nothing. And and also I was a teenager pre-internet. So there was literally no place for me to go unless it was other mixed cousins or other mixed people at school. And we just happened to bond on this. But I'll tell you in the hood. None of us wanted to be mixed. None of us wanted to tell, you know, we wouldn't want to dime on each other. We just like, let's just be black. Okay, let's just be black. Uh, (laughs) And so like you on the flip of that, where I think you and and Gretchen and uh, Rebecca, also another episode and Zach, another uh, mostly white presenting biracial person that's been on the show. Like, I think all of you have had that similar thing where it's just like, I just needed some person. You just need somebody to be like, 
go ahead, mixed girl, do your thing. And I'm just like, yeah, go ahead, mixed girl, do your thing. So I want you to, I, I know it's difficult where you live and stuff like that, but I want you to be comfortable to join those groups. Like we were talking about earlier, can you insert yourself into these groups being, oh, that's raising a question for me right now. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent. No, um, no, no. How do you receive the term woman of color? How does it feel for you? Um, Like a, like a, club that I'm not allowed in. Really? Mm-hmm. And is that because of your own perspective of what you look like and how you present or what you think you will be perceived about or or have been perceived as? I I think it's it's a really it's it is it's a position that I have not had the trials and tribulations to, you know what I mean? Like I I right. can't I can't be in that club because I don't I'm not profiled if I'm pulled over I'm fine you know right well okay so Gretchen said something like this too on on our first white passing episode where she said she didn't want to be in a corporate environment she didn't want to take a seat at the table Uh, she didn't want to take the diversity higher she didn't basically so at work she would keep it close to the chest so that she doesn't get used as a diversity hire in place of someone of quote unquote actual diversity, which I I do respect and and appreciate. And yet at the same time, want, you you know, want you guys to be able to have that seat, a seat, maybe not the diversity hire seat, but the the other part of I mean, it is I yeah, I mean, I don't know when you think about like all the people that you've had on this show and all the people that are listening to the show. And I mean, if you just do the math, like like how many millions of mixed people there must be out in the world. Like maybe we get our own seat. Like maybe it's its its own thing. The the intersectionality is something that like, I know it's becoming like a buzzword and everything like that, but it's legitimately what we are. I mean, we are standing like just you two, you and I talking alone. We are both women. We are both mixed race women. We are both, well, we both have German um, and black in us, Uh, you know, so we have all this. But you're a mother, right? You you have children. Yeah, you're a yeah. mother. So there's a whole there's all these other levels of things that um, that do bring a pool of diversity into any space that you occupy. And so I don't remember who it is who has the quote where it's like um, Shirley Chisholm, where she was like, "If there's not a seat at the table for me, I bring my own chair or something." Mm-hmm. That that idea sticks in my head where this is concerned. It's that even though I understand that you do present whitish. I think folks can detect it. I think maybe not white folks, but I think if you spend enough time in black spaces, it would it would be seen. What is, you know, it's not like it never happens. It, it actually often happens, especially because, like I said, in such a predominantly white area, we're looking for each other. You know, right. Everybody's and- radar is tuned a little bit more than, you know, if, you, if you're in a, a really mixed area, or predominantly black area. The thing about the Black American experience specifically in terms of all Black people on the planet, specifically to Black Americans, you know, our our Black stories are complicated. They're not there's not going to be many even dark skinned people who have who have been here for generations. There's not going to be a many that are going to come out 100 percent African ancestry. Mm-hmm. You know, we have we have um, colonial rape. We have slavery rape. We have right. um you know, Jim, then that it's becomes Jim Crow era, then it comes up, you know, the civil rights era, stuff like that. We have all of that going on. And then later on, like in my time, we have voluntary, 
mixedness. So like our our stories as black people are complicated and you should have more seats in the discussion than just those who are able to identify as, as fully black. You know, and the, there's the other part of our history being stolen from us. So for, forget the fact that like as full grown ass women, we have parents that maybe not were a part of our whole life. You know, mm-hmm. forget that is a thing because that's just one other element of our story. <laughs> you know, there's also if I do start digging am I even going to be able to find what I'm looking for? There's the fear, like, and I had that fear deeply. And it's what took me so long to take the DNA test as well. Mm -hmm. I don't want to find out I'm 9% African because my whole fucking identity has been based off of me being black in my mixedness, you know? Right. So I was terrified. I was, I actually was. I made jokes about it. And I even made a joke about it on an early episode of the show. Like I have, I'm, I spit in the tube already, but I don't know. But, oh, what happens if I come out like 9%, 13%? It's going to fuck up my identity. It actually would probably have messed up my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I would have been able to change at this point, though. Because, like, I did grow up surrounded by black people in a black family with a black father. You know, I, you're not going to be able to take it all the way away from me. But the genetics would have messed with me a little bit. Now that I'm post-DNA exam and I know my story to a degree, you know, I know my my ethnic mapping. The math is not impacting me that much. At the same time, I still come through at about 23% African ancestry, which was like, whoo, I didn't know it was going to be like, I knew it should have been 20 close to 25 because I'm a quarter black. But in this case, getting just 23 was like, oh, thank goodness. We're more black than I, than I you know, I was right. you know, um, and I, I know, like, I think a lot of us have this same kind of thing. It's like, because somebody that I did interview for the show had, had, had sent me a message and they were like, my DNA came back like 79% or 69%, whatever the, whatever it was, it was the nine. Right. And it was like, mm-hmm. why couldn't it have just been one more percent? Like that one more percent, that round number would have made right, me feel changed it. And now I'm, so I get that and I'm not letting the math part affect me as much as the culture. I, Cause I think mixed race identity isn't just the skin color. I think it has to be the culture too. Yeah. I feel like that's part of what makes it so confusing, you know, because I have that piece and nobody else can see, you know, what it was like to be for me to be a little kid. And, you know, you just kind of walk around so unseen all the time. Right. And feeling like you don't belong. But I, I think that there's really something to this, like to the mixed seat at the table, because I have made my peace with the not having the black seat. You know what I mean? Like, but like, like I said, when like my boyfriend asked me, like, what do you do that's mixed? Everything. Everything. Everything that I do is mixed because I'm the one who's doing it, you know? And that's actually like one of the most awesome things to to come to, even given that you you still occasionally are dealing with your identity. The fact that you are at least at that point, everything I do is mixed. That's one more step to being like, yes, I'm a woman of color. Yes, I can mm-hmm. join in, in, in it that. Um, I, I understand, too, that you would probably be facing it in a variety of different issues, like your own personal view of yourself, the person who can't see your mixedness and therefore doesn't accept it, or the person that says, yeah, I get it, you're mixed, but you won't have it as hard as me, because I've gotten that several times. Um, right. That I've stopped letting bother me because I know that I have my own trials, you know, my own version of it. Well, OK, mm-hmm. that's not that's not fair. I won't say that it stopped bothering me. It definitely still kind of bothers me. But um, I'm not letting it dominate my 
decisions about where I try to insert myself, I guess. It's just this whole idea of like enough. Like, when are you going to be enough? When are you going to be black enough? When are you going to be mixed enough? Like, seen enough? You know, I think it's that like this, the trick that is we're always chasing, you know? Yeah. And I think the trick is, is when you decide. And that is what takes forever. That's right. That's what takes until we're 40 or 50 years old. We're just like, fuck it. I'm enough. (laughs) (laughs) But like, yeah, I mean, I'm 41 now and and I'm there. I'm like, yeah, I'm enough. I still wish I was darker, but fuck it. I'm I'm enough. Here's my experience. I don't need to show my credentials. I still do show my credentials on occasion. But you know (laughs) what I'm saying? Like uh, for the most part, I'm just like. I finally accepted it for myself that I'm enough. And I wonder if someone had tried to instill those things in me when I was a teenager, if it would have made an impact or if I still needed to go through the sort of trying on of races, you know, until Mm -hmm. I felt comfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. But what I would like to know is that that opportunity is possible because it wasn't possible when I was growing up. So now is it possible for all of us to adopt a mixed kid that is going through it, you know, whether they're related to us or not, and just be like, hey, kid, you're enough. Whichever identity you go with is fine. You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because I feel like often their parents, like they don't see that, you know, you you think about you can have the idea maybe of what it's like to be mixed as a, as a monoracial parent, but you don't know. You totally don't know, you, you know, really you don't. gotta, we gotta buddy up with these kids, you know? Yeah. It's almost like wanting to do like a big, big brother, big sister program specifically for people who are raising mixed race kids and be just like, look, you're not going to have the tool because even me, both of my parents are biracial and they didn't prepare me for shit. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't have the language because their parents didn't have the language. And by the time they had me, they were teenagers. So they didn't even have like life experience to prepare them to deal with raising a mixed race kid, let alone the mixtiest of mixed race kids, like triracial, you know, kind of a kid who's, who's, who, you know, like you said, from a baby, (laughs) you're, you're code switching and you're just, you don't even know. It's just inherent because you have to, you identify early on what is the code I'm supposed to be right here. Mm -hmm. And that's an amazing tool that we do have. I assume monoracial people have a version of it too, but to the degree that we do, Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I mean, yeah, may, maybe it is. And, and maybe primarily and, you know, I'll, I, I don't have a problem saying this. Maybe primarily any person of color has this more than certainly more than a white person. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely more than a white person who grows up in privilege. What switching do they have to do ever? You know, you know, code, <laughs> code switching has a it's a double edged sword. Sometimes it, it works and it helps us feel comfortable. And sometimes you're watching Obama go from Iowa to Virginia and code switch and you're like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Or I guess right now it's Kamala is doing that. Um, Yeah. But yeah, like I, I, I think there is something to internally deciding that you're enough and then surrounding yourself by people like us that are going to be like, yes. You are. Right. Like, it's okay to just be you and whatever that is and to just be your mixed ass self. Yep. And and that's what I, gosh, I just love that. I do too. 
I, I love being able and at this point, and I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or what, I love people making people uncomfortable when they want to pigeonhole me mm-hmm. and just Put you in a box. You're yeah. Like, no, no. It just like blocking every time they do it. it. It's so much more fun now than when I was you know, like 20 and someone goes like, you're so exotic. Where are you from? And I'm like, well, you know, and just accepting mm-hmm. it and feeling like I had to answer. I love that now. Right. Or like, can I touch your hair? Oh, fucking people with the hair. <laughs> Who wants to touch hair? I do not understand this. I have never, ever, ever in my life in a non-sexual situation. <laughs> <laughs> wanted to touch somebody's hair. I'm, I don't. It's a weird thing. It is a weird thing. It's so, or, or at least maybe even going further, a stranger. I have never ever wanted to, in a non-sexual way, touch a stranger's hair. Like, no, course, me neither. Like when you're a kid, you're like, braid my hair. And you're like, okay, I'll braid your hair. You know, that is right, different. Right. But like walking up and being like, hello, exotic. Can I touch you? You know, what the fuck <sighs> is that? Yeah. I don't, I don't. It makes you feel like you're in a zoo. Yeah. And that is a big part of the mixed race experience is feeling like even from the side we identify with the most when they other us you're like fuck I can't go nowhere you know Mm -hmm. Um, because as much as I love being accepted and 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 seen as black the second a black person reminds me I'm mixed oh that's oh no it ruins my day like even now it can ruin my day um and yet what and here I am proudly mixed and having a podcast about being mixed but if a black person's like yeah 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 but you're mixed you know Mm -hmm. so like I get I get all the things I do but at the same time I want to be just like slashing those away and not letting them not letting them penetrate any of us and and I'm trying to use my show as a way of doing that so I think they just must not know like what what they're saying you know they're that maybe they're just curious you know like what are you can I touch your hair like you know but yeah but still like can you can you put yourself in that can you like even if you're trying really hard can you put yourself in that position where you'd be like you're so different from me I want to touch you to figure out that you're di- like I can see that you're different from me why do I need to touch it no no I, I certainly I don't know maybe that's just because I have my own bubble that I like to stay in and I don't need other people like in my bubble and I, I don't know I guess I just I'm not compelled to touch strangers. I'm not sure why people think that they have access to like, at least they ask, I guess. Right. I guess better than the ones that just touch. But a lot of them are asking while they're reaching out for you. Oh, totally. Totally. Those are really those are really rough because you're in this like a fight or flight. Right. Do I knock your hand away? Do I freeze and let you do it? Um, You know, or do I run the fuck off? It's so bizarre. I don't get it. And I'm trying, I I try to figure this out in any way, but there is never, like, I barely want to touch people that I care about (laughs) because I'm British and Japanese. Like, we're not huggy people. It takes me a long time to get affectionate. And sometimes I lose people because I can't get affectionate fast enough. But Mm -hmm. like... A stranger? Like, I don't even want to shake a stranger's hand, let alone put my hand in their head. Like, what the hell is going on with people? Yeah, my mom said that that used to happen a lot when I was little, that people would just come up and touch me because I, I, really? looked, I looked way more mixed, I guess, when I was little. Um, and because my mom didn't know how to do my hair, it was just like, right. like fuzzy. And That's like, always the you tell. Know, yeah, yeah. My aunts tried, bless them. They're like, you need to do something about 
you know, her hair. And she's like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I swear every time. It wasn't fine. Like, I look at pictures and I'm like, mom, don't. You can't brush it. Stop. And all the broken, like, how much healing your hair probably would have had to go through to just, like, be healthier as you got older. I swear, every time you see a, a little mixed kid with a fuzzy head and you're just like, oh, white mom, like, show me your white mom. Take me to your white mom. So right? I can take your white mom to a black salon. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's so sad. It's and so like, my sad. hair isn't even super, like, it's, it's curly and it's more curly in the back and, you know, it tries to dread up and do its thing a little bit, but it's not, you know, kinky or anything. Yeah. It's not my mom's stick straight hair and she didn't know what to do with it and didn't know that you can't brush it. And, you know, yeah, yeah, it was was a mess. There should be. And maybe that's one of my missions is to create some sort of like how to raise a mixed kid series of classes and then it will have a hair component. And a how do you talk to them component? How do you lift them up and make them feel comfortable in their mixed ass skin? Right. And like, bless her heart, she tried. And like, because she got me the black cabbage patch doll, but like that doll didn't look like me either. You know, it was a black cabbage patch doll. I'm like, thanks, I guess. You know, it was my favorite, but (laughs) yeah, it wasn't it wasn't what I was looking for. You know, you're just craving anything that even remotely. But yeah, these types of things. And it's nice. Like, gosh, it's so nice to talk to other people that have this type of thing. Like, it's just another way of feeling not alone. I think the common theme of mixedness is being alone, because even when you have siblings that are mixed, like my brother and I have a totally different mixed race experience Mm -hmm. and we cannot communicate about it. He doesn't like to talk about it. Right. And you were like raised in the same house by the same people and just came out completely different. And he he's white and I'm black. Basically, that's kind of how we turned out. And um, I make a joke that it's because of our names. I don't um, I bleep his name out for the show, but his name's. Oh, and I'm Charmaine. So like, (laughs) duh, (laughs) you know, like, duh, that we came out the way that we are. But uh, yeah, like, uh, I almost feel like our names profiled us in some way, shape or form. Like it just decided like you're going to be the white one. You're going to be the black one. Mm -hmm. Enjoy your life. Enjoy never talking about it. Uh, to each other but yeah i it's just so what what i don't even know if this is an actual question like what keeps you in the space that you're in um i i don't know that i'm being kept in the space that i'm in i think for a long time i was sort of just trying to like live and survive and raise my kids and do all that and i Mm -hmm. didn't really have the luxury of looking to like discover myself sort of um or even any idea of where to start or how to start and like addressing my relationship with my dad is super painful and i didn't really want to do that and i can't think about Right. You know, that I can't think about my my mixedness and my blackness without thinking about him and, you know, wondering what it would have been like if he was around and if it would have been any different. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I did a lot of shoving of that. And I'm finally sort of in a place in my life. My kids are a little older. It's a little easier to parent them. And I'm sort of having my, I don't know, like second puberty or something where (laughs) I'm kind of figuring myself out like, uh, you know, oh, shit, here I am. I'm a grown up like what am I now? You know, that I've kind of slowed down a little bit and 
Yeah. How are you That's- with describing the mixed identity to your own kids? Because I think I think you said they're they're pretty white looking too, right? Yeah, yeah. They they their dad is white, and they're both pretty white looking. They both tan up pretty dark in the summer, like real dark like darker than me, one of them even. Um, and she's got darker hair and they're both getting curly hair mm. as they kind of get older and start to enter puberty. They're both getting curly hair. So I'm interested. I'm watching and I'm interested to see what happens, but I'm super open and honest with them. I mean, they've met that whole side of the family. They know what it is, but it they don't they don't see it every weekend like I did, you know? Right. And I mean, it comes up during Black History Month and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Which and that was always my sort of running joke in school was like, how which half of Black History Month am I going to celebrate? Am I going to do the first half or the second half? Or like maybe this year I'll go every other day. Oh, man. (laughs) So the other day somebody um, posted and then my my mixed friend sent me this with the message. This is not funny. And it was a picture of Uncle Ruckus from the Boondocks cartoon. And Mm -hmm. it said. You mixed ones get to celebrate Black History Month until February 14th. And I told that to my husband and he instantly laughed at it, which I expected that he would because he's he's he grew up primarily white, but he's white and Arabic. And I know that he doesn't quite have the sensitivity to understand why that would bother me or why it bothered my mixed black friend, too. It's just like it's a yet another reminder that even though we're part of the family, we're not enough we only get half the month you know or whatever and like part of me wants to laugh at it and part of me also is hurt by it and I think that's like the common thing about anything related to mixedness is that part of it always hurts right and I mean that was sort of like that's not something that I would say today I should clarify like as a kid growing up that was sort of my kind of joking it was your coat yeah yeah and it was like you know every like I'd have to like sort of like come out of the closet every year you know what I mean like mm-hmm. pop my head up like a fucking groundhog or something yeah. like I'm here I'm black let's, now let's, yeah let's do black history yeah yeah oh I have tons of those types of things and there's some that I even have the like I still start to say and then I catch myself and I'm like am I still saying this like am I okay that I'm still saying this is this still funny you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was it ever <laughs> you know that's the other thing right um, and if they still make me laugh okay, that's funny, but should I be, is it my responsibility to not perpetuate those types of things because of what it could do to the next mixed person that someone encounters? You know, like, I don't want it to steal my sense of humor away. And yet at the same time, I'm like a lot more heightenedly aware now that I, I was also making myself not enough. Right. I I agree with that. And I guess to like relate back to your question to to how I'm parenting, I don't, I don't really know that I give, that I give my kids access to their mixedness because they have it. I mean, it's there, you know, and while we do, we certainly probably, certainly we talk about, you know, the, the black experience and things relating to it, you know, in the world and stuff more than, you know, your random white family. And they do have access to their, to their family family in that regard. I don't know. I guess I need to like double back and talk with them about what that's like, you know, because I know that they deal with the same stuff that I do. They deal with kids not knowing what you are and, you know, dropping words that they shouldn't be using and everybody's face swiveling to you. Like, are you going to tell him you're half black and he can't say that, you know? Right. As if it was the being half black was the whole reason the other person couldn't say it. (laughs) Right. Like, I'm like, what's wrong with the rest of you guys? Like, yeah, you should say, you should know. know. Right. Right. But they they haven't quite hit that age yet where they're 
dealing with their identity? Were they even questioning it at all? They're 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 getting there. They're eleven they're and thirteen, close. and they're oh, okay. they're steadily climbing that ladder and figuring it out. They got all their own stuff to deal with as well sure. with their dad and everything. So, well, that's the thing too about that precious time. It was like you're already just by nature of the age you're dealing with your identity. Who, what kind of teenager am I? Am I the jock? Am I the the hot one? Am I popular? Am I a dork? You know, whatever the thing. And then mm-hmm. you throw your race in there too, or your your mixed heritage and whether or not you are comfortable repping for any particular part of your, you know, your ethnic group or other people knowing, like you said, coming out of the closet. I've asked that question to a lot of people, like, how often do you come out as mixed? And then they're just like, what? You know, because it's just a jarring question. Like, oh, shit, I actually do that every day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you probably do. And then on top of it to just be like other people influencing whether or not you're comfortable being yourself. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of our... It is, because there are some people where I just, like, I don't even want to go there. You know, I know you see me as white, and I just don't have... the bandwidth to try to convert you. You know what I mean? For you to really see me. I know you're not going to see me how I want you to see me. And so I just don't even want to go there, you know? Yeah. And that sucks too. Like that, that we end up having to swallow that kind of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And that, I guess that's, again, goes back to that whole creating my own little mantra for myself is just like being my mixed ass self and not letting it, but it's so hard sometimes to get. It is, but I think it's something that I'm sort of being able to be more braver and braver to to sort of do that because somebody has to do it otherwise nobody's gonna do it and right. you know if I you know now like every day am more you know being my mixed ass self like if I'm not gonna do it then what is this you know 15, right. 16 year old girl gonna do you know when she comes across this guy who doesn't know what a mixed person looks like or you know or anything like that like somebody's somebody's got to say something and it should be us yeah i agree yeah i think this is the time for that to to be a thing because certainly no one's going to do it for us and why would we why should we wait (laughs) it's not like we're gonna you know there there are only more and more mixed people coming after us you know Right. Yeah. I think it's going to be a thing. I mean, I hope it is. I I mean, because because right now, like mixedness is such a strange thing. Right. Um, As as it stands, mixed people, there's a lot more famous mixed people doing first time things than monoracial people, I think. Or maybe not a lot more, but Obama, he's Mm -hmm. they keep calling him the first black president, but he wasn't a black president. He was the first half half African, half white American president. He's a biracial president. He's a multicultural president because he also grew up in Indonesia and Hawaii, you know. But I think that that's kind of part of the problem is that I don't think that mixed kids know how deep their bench is. Like, yeah, all these people are mixed. Like, you know, the the media and like other people may be labeling them as as black or as Asian or as something else. But like they're mixed like you, you know, they yeah. just are getting stuck in this pigeonhole. But that's not. That's not the case, you yeah. know. And when, when, uh, and I wonder if this is—you'd uh, have to tell me. I wonder if this is more something that a biracial person would have to deal with than, than like in my case, being multiple um, racial, whatever racial is. They once someone decide. Well, I guess this probably happens to you a lot. Uh, once someone decides what you are, you just have to be that. And uh, if you dared, like if, like if. If Obama dared to correct people every time someone called him a black president or the first black president or whatever, that would kind of reduce his uh, credibility, I think, with with a lot of people. 
Halle Berry, they, they called her the first black woman uh, to win Best Actress, but she's also biracial. She claims black, which makes sense because of her presentation. Um, her daughter is a quarter black and looks white. Right, but, but I think she, she presents as mixed, you know? I mean, I th- maybe I have different filters, you know, for people, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I see her as a biracial person or a light-skinned black person, but like light-skinned black person could mean all kinds of things. It could mean biracial person or it could mean that four generations back a person in your family was raped by a mm-hmm. white person you know like it, there's so right, many so why things. should you have to claim that then you know yeah so that's another part of complication is if it's if it's involuntary mixedness can you just say no I'm not this thing I want to I'm this and this is what I'm going to be I think there's room for that mm-hmm. um, but if it's voluntary mixedness and, and you're like I know I don't look enough like blah 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 for you but for me and my experience I am um, so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and claim it and you're not gonna be able to tell me I can't you know like I think uh, mixedness is super complicated on you know on levels that a lot of monoracial people don't have to deal with but then you run into the to the Rachel uh, Dolezal issue Fuck you know what I mean woman. nobody wants to touch that with a 10-foot pole I'll like. touch it trans Rachel is <laughs> <laughs> ruining shit for mixed people like I have such an anger about her because She's not a transracial person. She's not a person that was adopted by another race and culture and raised in it. She's just a white woman who was raised by white parents who didn't even grow up around black people who decided she was going to be black and then has exploited blackness on multiple levels to, to both fame and to money. I have a huge problem with people thinking that we are like her. And this has actually happened. Yes. I don't know how many times someone said, oh, you're on that Rachel Dolezal tip. And then I got to be out here screaming like a crazy (laughs) person because I actually am mixed and I actually have a black experience in a yellow body, you know? And she's, gosh, every time I hear her, I just like, oh, there's nobody I've ever wanted to take down more in my life. Honestly, there's nobody I've ever wanted to take down. There's a lot of other people where I'm like, you're problematic and I hate you too. But in her case, she's fucking shit up for me directly. Exactly. No, I know. I totally agree. Because it's like now I'm like, uh, can you just like, why'd you got to do the thing? Why you got to have the curly hair? Like I, she right. kind of looks like she, me, you know, especially like, for the white presenting and sort of blondish, sandy blondish because she kept that kind of hair color or whatever, especially mm-hmm. for y'all. I assume she's even more problematic. Um, Public enemy number one. Right. Because my husband was asking me the other day, he was like, how did that even go that far? Like, how did it even go that far? And I was like, that is a that is a person who was raised white asking a person who was raised black and revealing how little blackness that is understood in that place. Because blackness is so complicated, because you could be 100 percent have two black, dark skinned parents and turn out white looking like some of our friends that Mm -hmm. we grew up around. Because this is possible, we weren't going to question that. Like, right. Like if you're if you have the like who would have thought that you have the audacity? She just like she just walked right into the NWACP. Like, what are you thinking? Yes. Like we were not going to sit there and uh, like black people as a whole, we're not going to be out there and be like 
you're not black enough to be here. She if she she walked the walk and, and all that kind of stuff, they were just going to accept it. And it would never occur to us that someone would be that bold. Um, yeah. And so now that she exists and we now know it, now we're on the hunt for it. So another element of how it impacts mixed people is, like you said, oh, you're lying. Right. You know, I imagine if it's not happening yet, I imagine it's something that probably does happen for some people. Like, oh, wait, you are far too pale. There is no way you must be like a Rachel Dolezal. That's a different way of accusing us of lying, I guess, in that in that respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, nothing gets me hotter than that. Like, I guess and now she's got these line of mixed dolls, like different color, different um they go from like a light brown all the way to a dark brown dolls. And you How, see, uh, and it's so, it's so shitty because that is something that makes kids need. We but want. Why are you the one making money from it? You are not the person who's who needs to earn a dollar for doing this. Like right. she basically, I think the good that she did was make us aware of how important it is to investigate where we put our dollars. <laughs> like it's totally unrelated to what she actually did, but. She, it's part of the awareness she raised now. It's like, now I got to actively make sure that I'm I'm putting my dollars in as many black and brown places as possible. Yeah, I just, I didn't, I, I guess I didn't think before that like somebody could really take it that far. You know what right? I mean? And like how, how that even happens. And now I feel even less like I want to, you know, put a toe out and be right. like, hey, you know, what a negative impact that she has on you because mm-hmm. you don't want to. I don't ever want to be confused with that. You don't want to be confused with that. But I think also even deeper, you don't want to inflict the pain that right. she that she inflicted just by your visual presence, you know, once someone got to know you and learned and things like that. But the thing is, is that we are visual people, you know, creatures. And so we're going to go from the looks before we go into who the person is. I have plenty of people that I'm friends with now who do just call me black woman and 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 just accept me as a black woman. And I don't feel like I'm my mixedness is being ignored necessarily because I understand what they did individually in their journey in terms of their acceptance of me. But when they first met me, they had questions about how is this girl named Charmaine trying to be black looking yellow mm-hmm. living her life, you know, but they had to learn about me to get to that point in your case going off like if you're just going to walk into a a wfc room of some sort and um and be like yeah i know i look pale but here's you know you got to put out your credentials unfortunately you would have to Mm -hmm. do that and then after that then it's like oh okay this checks out now you can be one of us that is a burden that you have to bear that is not your fault and it's even more heightened because of somebody like her and that's a whole nother negative output that she has that people aren't even talking about. Right. That's rage, rage. (laughs) But I guess we're getting to about that time or we're well past that time. We're just talking. Um, This (laughs) this has been such a different experience than some of the other uh, recordings because, well, one, we've talked, uh, you know, a couple of times at this point, both in, well, only once uh, in chat, but, um, those long time messengers and things like that but but also like the show is such a big part of the show itself is such a big part of how you're involved now versus 
just some random person that I connected with and was like, hey, I have a show. Um, so it's a different experience. It's kind of neat to, to to be able to talk to someone who has that much uh, exposure to the to the show. And I hope that it is a, a healthy and safe place for you to to be when you're both on the show, but also listening to the show. I hope you do feel represented and and that you have it whenever you need to make Absolutely. That I mean, there is not literally not an episode that goes by that I don't find something that I'm like, that's me right there. Like I see right? you and Isn't it I crazy? And you know, often things are different, which is cool too, but every every single episode there's a piece that I can pick out that res- you know, resonates with me and feels familiar. Yeah. And I, I've never had that. I've never had that in any other place or experience or, or anything like that. So it's super special. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm I'm glad that it's had that impact. And 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 it's just another way for me too to reinforce like why why it's important to keep it going, you know, that, that we're out here needing it. And, you know, if, if I feel this way, there's gotta be more folks out there that feel this way. And I think you're definitely proof of that. Um, so before we wrap up, is there any, uh, parting words or last last thoughts that you have? Um, I'm sure we can find tons of other things that we can bring you back for. So, um, uh, we're going to get a lot more return people over the course of this year. But do you have anything? No, I just I just want to thank you for this space and making this possible. And, you know, I think that while being mixed has all sorts of, you know, confusion and questions into it, it's also I think it's pretty special. I mean, I would certainly prefer it to being monoracial personally, because I just I have so much more to pull from. I have so many more people that I can identify with and, you know, resonate with like mixed people, German people, you know, Lakota Sioux people. Black people, you know, it's sort of sprinkled throughout everywhere. It's given me all these ties to all these different people that I can, you know, meet and share experiences with. And I think that's pretty cool. I think you kind of answered the question that I was starting to forget. No, I totally (laughs) forgot to ask. And then you started answering it. I'm like, oh, good. She's answering the question I forgot to ask, Uh, which is just what do you love about being mixed? I think um, I think that is a big part of what we get out of it certainly well thank you so much for uh for coming on and um and you know working with me schedule wise and everything like that i do hope that you come back and yeah 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 i will i know we've got other stuff that we can talk about yeah Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Johnson. Music is by David Bogan, The One. And if you like what you heard on Militantly Mix, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.